Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 33 minutes after 8 o'clock, you're listening to the Mediated Conversation. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time this morning. 2016. That's when we had a local government election that changed the face of local government in South Africa altogether. We saw a change in governance in three major cities in South Africa, and that became coalition-based cities. And various other municipalities across the country were hung and were at least resolved through coalition agreements. Certain political parties may not call it coalition agreements, but nonetheless, to cross the 50% line, certain parties needed the vote of other political parties. In other instances, it has become quite volatile, as is the case in the city of Johannesburg, the city of Ekuruleni, the city of uh, Tuane. We've even seen it in Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, where the change of governance has happened at the whim of political actors that may not be particularly big, but certainly have been used, have been able to use effectively their seats and their presence in certain councils to effect changes in leadership. But that notwithstanding, how has this impacted service delivery over the last seven years? To answer this question for me, I'm joined by Professor Susan Boyson, who is the Director of Research at the Mapungubwe Institute for Strategic Reflection. Uh, Professor Boyson, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Has service delivery gotten notably worse in the last seven years since the 2016 local government election? And can that noticeable deterioration, if it is the case, be linked very specifically to coalition governments? Good morning, Oliver. That is such a fascinating and a very complex question. There is little doubt that instability in coalition governments and in South Africa's major metros, especially Gauteng, Eastern Cape, Nelson Mandela Bay, we have definitely seen instability. No doubt that that has contributed to lowered service delivery, even dismal service delivery, even what often comes across as a collapse of urban infrastructure. There's no doubt that that plays a role. However, and this is as um, my institution, Mr. Amatungubwe Institute, has also found in a report that we'll be releasing a preview of later today, the Mr. Coalition's Barometer, where we have monitored those 70 councils post-local government election 2021 that then emerged as coalition governments, both metro and local municipalities. And It is actually, in the majority of the cases, about 37 out of those 70 municipalities, that we have seen stable coalition government. But that stable coalition government does not mean that service delivery was better. In other words, one can infer from that that coalition government can be a contributing factor in cases of disagreement and paralysis, contributing to 
poor, dismal service delivery, but it is not necessarily by no stretch of the imagination necessarily a cause of that low levels of delivery and dismal overall status. There are so many municipalities in South Africa that simply do not make the cut. Coalition governments and not coalition governments. And it is so, in so, this so, so, so finding that, that we... Sorry, yes, sure. So to that, Prof. Boyson, is there a notable distinction in the lack of service delivery and the failure of service delivery between majority uh, governed local governments uh, versus coalition governments. Oliver, no. In so many cases, these local governments in under majority governments um, are totally in disarray, are riven by, for example, corruption, by intra-party battles that play out in the public domain. Why we tend to focus on the metropoles is because they are so large, they absorb so much of South Africa's socio-economic problems. So we tend to see that and tend to see the problems with instability. I'm not saying the instability and poor management and token mayors, etc., frequent rotation of mayors, um, a deluge of attempted motions of no confidence, those are all serious problems and are so rife and so visible in the metropoles. But in South, Af- South Africa is suffering a huge problem of local government capacity. We heard in one of your earlier reports this morning, there are levels of rising debt to ESCOM, 70 billion rand overall, there are multiple fronts of rising debt, inability to deliver um, new infrastructure, to refurbish decaying infrastructure. Those are problems very, very visible in South Africa's metropoles and in coalition metropoles, but it just about each and every municipality around the country is suffering from those problems. Yeah. So then let's ask the question around uh, a political or administrative solution to a political uh, mess. Very specifically, has the provincial cooperative governance offices, as well as the national cooperative governance office, been able to solve some of the volatility that has been caused by continuous changing hands in, 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 in the mayoral chain as a result of coalition governments, specifically where we've seen it happen frequently in the city of Johannesburg, city of uh, Tuane, as well as in the city of Ekuruleni? Oliver, we definitely have seen that neither provincial nor national government has got the answers. There have been attempted interventions also quietening down a little bit. For example, municipalities being placed under provincial administration, section 139 of the constitution, different more provisions in there that can be done. But we have seen so many cases and in last year we know there were 33 cases and just a few of them were coalition cases that were placed under administration, but limited, if at all, if any, improvement in the conditions of those municipalities, coalition and non-coalition. And while that is one of the few solutions that they have in place to handle these, these problematic coalitions and non-coalition governments. And we see from their court cases on the on problems with encroachment of the capacity or constitutional powers of local government, those 
answers are not there. We have seen government trying to put forward the option of district, local governments, district municipalities that will subsume some of the functions of local government or coordinate some projects. There are big doubts whether that is an answer. So this is really a part, a serious part of the state and the local state in this case that is in crisis and it needs so much urgent, incisive attention, and it's not yet happening. Yeah. I want to bring into the conversation Dr. Tim Make, a local government specialist. Uh, Dr. Make, let's perhaps focus on this element of service delivery. At least service delivery at a basic level should be executed by competent professionals who are directors, who are heads of departments, and whether or not a pothole gets fixed, uh, refuse is removed, electricity is uh, supplied, and water is supplied, should not be at the whim of of, of political machinations. Uh, But it seemingly is. How do we create a local government environment and culture where we are able to make that distinction? Uh, good morning to you, Oliver. Good morning to Professor Poison and to your listeners. The most unfortunate part of it is that you may not separate the need for professionalism in local government from governance. Uh, governance meaning that uh, this political stability plays a very critical role. You need to appreciate the fact that you might have qualified people in office but if there is political instability, which uh, ultimately result in uh, multiple instructions that are coming from the municipal council, it creates a, a confusion within the administration, and it also opens up gaps for those who want to uh, manipulate the system for their own personal benefit because they, 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 the center is not holding. The governance structure is not... Uh, coherent enough to be able to act in a unison way. Mm. So, so yes, it, it it is one of the elements that contribute uh, the lack of appointment of people with the requisite qualification and expertise. But it is not the only factor that results in services not being provided by municipalities. Mm-hmm. Then let's 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 perhaps then ask this: uh, To what extent does political interference in the appointment of officials affect service delivery, uh, Doctor Market? It does in a big way, in the sense that uh, if if uh, there's nothing wrong in political parties preferring uh, candidates that they would want to implement their policies, but. There's something wrong if that does not take into consideration the requisite requirement of the position that needs to be filled. Wherein you find that uh, there will be instances where the requirements uh, are forced to fit the individual instead of the individual automatically meeting the inherent requirements of the job. So that is instances where that will always affect uh, service delivery because the wrong people will be appointed and uh, people without the necessary experience will be will be occupying positions that will require the expertise of a person will be able to run independently in order to advise the municipal council as far as what needs to be done in that specific area of field. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Boysen, I want to bring you back here, and, and it's important uh, that that we are able to, to make this distinction uh, because it may well be seen that um, we are centering 
all the problems of service delivery uh, on the shoulders of poor local governance in local governments. But how much of it has to do with national governments not allocating the right support and resources? For instance, National Treasury makes allocation of grants to local governments. Many local governments institutions will tell you, well, we don't have enough money to do all the service delivery things that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, we're in a shrinking economy where less and less money in real terms is available uh, to be able to, at a grant level, to execute these sort of things. And I, I know that's only one revenue line item of local government institutions, but 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 how much of that element uh, national government and its support and money leads to uh, uh, service delivery collapses, as opposed to, uh, of course, comparatively, as opposed to coalition governments being uh, messy. Yes, indeed, Oliver. There is so much co-responsibility here. Um, national government has put the system of local government in place, has adopted various sets of legislation governing that sphere, and Allocation of resources is an incredible problem. Yes, local municipal, local governments, municipalities get a large proportion of their income from national government. There are formulae in terms of which these are calculated. And yet, it, the, it just does not fill that need. So, in fact, much more is needed, but that doesn't get away from the problem that so many other local governments, again, coalitions and non-coalitions, simply do not spend widely, wisely, simply use too much of their resources on remunerating ineffective and often underqualified officials and, uh, and other functionaries in the local government sphere and not enough attention going to infrastructure and maintenance of infrastructure and those essential services. So it is a problem that cuts both ways, but local government definitely, A, can do more on their side with the resources that they do have and be national government needs to assume better responsibility. And then, of course, we come into the whole issue of the current fiscal, current attention to the fiscal crisis and to what extent money has run out and, and important departments even have to have to cut their expenses. Yeah. So there is just no easy solution, but there is, it is a time really where and different levels of government have to come together and consider urgent resolutions or urgent solutions that will help them get out of the crisis. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mike, it's ultimately the electorate that has to ask itself, what type of local government do we want and how do we reflect that at the polls? Um, but are the electorate starting to think about that? And do we have evidence of that thought being reflected uh, in the interim between local government elections, at least within by-elections? Well, it has to be a dual process, uh, Oliver, in the sense that unlike your national and provincial spheres of government, with, when it comes to local government, we need to understand and appreciate the fact that it has to be treated more like a business, um, in the sense that the collapse of services in certain municipalities, we shouldn't forget to mention the fact that the back book of municipalities, when you go through their audited financial statements, it's very high. And one of the reasons that is very high is because of 
me and you are not paying services that we're supposed to be paying to municipalities. And I think one of the factors is that we have taken advantage of the collapse in governance or the instability to justify why we may not be able to pay for services. But in certain areas, there's justifiable grounds why communities are not able to pay for services. But the crux of the matter, if the electorates have to start asking the questions, what kind of local government we want, it must also be dealt with or accompanied with the responsibility that we have as a society. Are we taking our roles and responsibilities to hold the elected the, 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 the elected representatives uh, accountable. Uh, that's not what we have been doing, and I think it's one of those things that we might need to think deep to say. What is it that we need to do more to make sure that we hold councillors that uh, are meant to represent communities more accountable in as far as the responsibilities that they play, so as to make sure that when we go to the courts we are able to also be very conscious on the caliber and the kind of councillors that we want to see representing us in various municipal councils. Yep. we continue the conversation very, very shortly. It's 10 minutes to the top of the hour. Rob Byrne has your final traffic report for this hour. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. It is seven minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to SFM Sunrise. My name is Oliver Dixon, and we're discussing the impact of coalition governments on service delivery. And of course, tracking what some of the data and experiences and, and changing trends in governance can teach us about this particular moment. Let's move to this. And I want to bring you back here, to, uh, Dr. Mike. Uh, President, Deputy President Paul Mashatile convenes a national dialogue on coalition governments a couple of months ago because there's a recognition that the volatility can be disruptive. Does that dialogue ask the right sort of questions about standardizing the operations and the culture around coalition governments in a way that it doesn't become disruptive to governance and service delivery? Or was it merely talk shop uh, to give the pretense that we are taking attention to the issue? I think, Oliver, for me, the first and primary, the most important thing is that for as long as we do not respect the provisions of the laws that governs our conduct as a, a, a institutions of government, it will remain a talk show when we cannot be able to apply the simple principles that the law provides for. You would, you would recognize, uh, Oliver, the fact that uh, in South Africa, we, the principle that we uphold is participatory democracy. Yeah. And and the second thing is that we know in terms of the fundamental rights, every person has a right to form his or her own political party and so on and so on. But all of those things uh, come to a point where we need to, once the elections have come and gone, appreciate the fact that we are a government. And if we are a government, what is our primary objective of existence? It is to serve the people, and we put aside our own personal interest. But if you look at what is happening now, majority of the things that we are seeing, it's as a result of political parties not having developed the necessary political maturity to appreciate the fact that there is an election time, and there's time when we've got to apply the, the laws and policies of the country, irrespective of which political party you represent. The main important thing is to make sure that those who are in the opposition bench 
holds those who are governing accountable. But it does not necessarily mean that the two must see each other as separate entities. Because in a municipal setup, once you are sworn in, you become a member of the municipal council, yeah. which simply means that whatever you do in council must represent the aspirations of the people, not the mm. aspirations of your own personal interest or the interest of a political party. Once we, if we cannot, uh, 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 Oliver, make sure that we master that part, we will continue to have uh, coalitions that are non-functional and which are disruptive in nature, whereas in actual fact, in local government, uh, I would say that uh, coalitions governments have been existing, even though the majority part would always uh, uh, take the lead. But we never had instances where there is a collapse of services because we disagree on who is supposed to be the mayor. So those are some of the things that gives an indication that the, the political maturity is still lacking on the part of our political system. Yeah. And just perhaps, uh, uh, Dr. Boyson, a final consideration here is around local government has become as litigious as national government has become. A lot of uh, the disputes in local government seem to now be settled in court, increasingly more so over the last couple of years. Uh, that means that there's a continuous reinforcement of the statutory obligations and frameworks of local government uh, by by the courts in certain actions, particularly that that pertains to oftentimes to service delivery. Has that increased litigious environment been a direct result of coalition arrangements in local government or is it just a natural part of our political life? Because we're not a coalition government at a national level, yet national government <laughs> is, is highly litigious as well. Yes, indeed. That's fascinating. In so many cases, at local government level, co- level coalition and non-coalition are turning to courts, especially when it comes to basic human rights being violated in effect by the local councils. So there is definitely huge space for that. And it's part of a general culture in South Africa that um, because of the deficiencies in government, bureaucratic, political, so many more other disputes are being taken and resolved by courts, attempted to be resolved by courts. Mm. And in local government, in coalition politics, interestingly, we've seen so many cases of motions of no confidence, controversial ones, where people are coming, councillors and parties in councils, come with Mm. frivolous charges against a mayor or some Mm -hmm. other municipal officials and try to get rid of them via motions of no confidence, which end up in court. And court judgments go either either direction direction. Yeah. So it is it's a huge part of local government. And indeed it shows also us to that South Africa has about a thorough culture of coalition governance. A very, very diametrically opposed, ideologically contradictory political parties in many parts of the world actually work very well together in coalitions. Yeah. Because there is a coalition culture. And South Africa would have to and political parties would have to develop in 
that direction very rapidly. Also, and that would help make sense of something like a national dialogue for coalitions where political parties did not reach consensus because we're also in the era of party political change, transitions in party political statuses, yeah. governing party, opposition <laughs> parties, etc. And so political parties are trying to use these gaps created by coalition politics to uh, advance their own agendas. Yeah. So in, in some yeah. ways, we know we need to get there, but the time is not ripe to go there. Dr. Boyson, thank you so much for that. We're going to have to leave it there. Professor Susan Boyson, the Director of Research at the Mapungubwe Institute for Strategic Reflection. Tim Make, local government specialist, joining us on the Mediated Conversation. Thank you so much for that. Really, really do appreciate it. Before I sign off, uh, we started the show, at least I started the show late this morning, and I just want to apologize for that, uh, that it's incredibly, incredibly unfortunate. Uh, I did arrive late, and uh, I am with you here on Sunrise for the rest of the week as Stephen is on a break. So definitely no repeat of that. My apologies uh, for the inconvenience and confusion that may have caused to you this morning. But of course, fantastic programming lying ahead for you here on SAFM throughout the day. Coming up next is the talking point with Kathy Mutlatlane. But right now, it's a minute after nine o'clock. Let's take your news.